and encourage one another in the Lord. The Bible says iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And uh, some of us need to be sharpened, <laughs> including me. <laughs> I don't know if there's a biblical term for that for the ladies, but I, I used to joke with the ladies every teen challenge, we'd call them sandpaper sisters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go any further with that. So, um, There's a meeting tonight for home groups uh, at the Shandell home. It sounds like um, everyone that's a normal attendee is probably not going to be there this tonight. If, there's, if you were planning on going to that and um, you haven't talked to Steve and Stephanie Shandell, Steve, could you stand up? This is Steve. If you're planning on going and you want to go, please let them know. All right. Okay. Father, thank you for audio systems. Thank you that we're in a country we're so blessed and rich. We're so rich. We're so favored. We thank you, Lord, that we can come into a house today and not be scared for our lives because of you. Holy Spirit, anoint your servant today to bring forth your word and deliver it how you would have it delivered. We thank you for your word. It is so powerful, so good. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be continuing in Matthew chapter 9, following up on last week's message. Who's on your guest list? How many of you have... I've heard a lot of people say last week they were going to go and read Matthew. Did anyone read Matthew this week in a new light? Yeah, a couple? Awesome. Um, why I chose Matthew over uh, Luke or Mark's account of Matthew's calling was because of one verse that Jesus quotes, and he challenges the Pharisees to go and learn what it means. And it's only found in Matthew. And that was Hosea 6.6. 6. So I'm going to read... So where everything's in context, fresh, I'm going to reread Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. He's, he's quoting Hosea 6.6, 6. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. And Hosea 6.6 6 in the New Living Translation says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Now in the Greek, the word is mercy. But in the Hebrew, the word is hasid. Did I pronounce that right, Nancy? H-E-S-E-D? Hesed. All right. We learned something today. Praise the Lord. 
has said, this is what it means, steadfast love. Steadfast love. I want you to learn, and I want you to have steadfast love. I want you to show steadfast love. It goes on, it says, I want that over sacrifice. What is sacrifice? Great question, I'm glad you asked it. (laughs) Observance of religious ritual. Observance of religious ritual. He says, I want steadfast love over observance of religious ritual. No amen. Come on, that's good. I want steadfast love. I, isn't that awesome? We serve a God that says, all that religious ritual, that's all fine and dandy, but I want steadfast love. Not wavering love that kind of comes and goes. We hear this term. Has anybody heard, oh, I love them, but I'm just not in love with them. Right? We hear that a lot. I love them, but I'm just not in love with them. And the father's saying, I want steadfast love. I don't want you just to love me. I want you to be in love with me. There's a difference. This is the whole heart of what Jesus is trying to teach the Pharisees and everyone around that's listening because they're accusing Jesus of spending time with the dirt bags and the scums, which we went over last week. And he said, I want you to show mercy, not sacrifice. I want you to show steadfast love. I want you to know me. That's what I want. Point one is Jesus says something that's very powerful. He says, go and learn what this means. This is a a rabbinic term. Rabbis would say this. They would challenge their followers. They would say, go and learn what this means. And that term in the Greek is manthano. It means learn in any way necessary. Learn and understand. Jesus is challenging these people strongly. He's saying, do whatever it takes to learn what I'm telling you. Not just learn it, understand it. I want you to have steadfast love. I want you to know me. He challenges the Pharisees and the learned. He's challenging us today. I want you to have steadfast love. Jesus is so wise. He, he knows it's, there's a big difference between understanding and doing. When you really learn or understand something, it's when you do it. How many have ever been trained? It could be in anything. On a job, for a, a trade, to, to learn music. You can read about it all you want. You can receive the best instruction there is, but you don't know it until you do it. You can take someone who wasn't trained, but has been doing it for a long period of time, and take someone who has been trained meticulously and the best student, and they followed every sentence and followed every command, and they did, but they've never done it. And the person who was trained and has actually been doing it knows way more. The person that read about it doesn't know really anything until they've done it. 
This is what Jesus is challenging the Pharisees with. He's like, he knows they've read it. They actually memorized it, most of them. They could teach on it 15 different ways to Sunday, but they were completely missing it. And all of us have areas in our life that are that way. We know it, but we're missing it. And some of them we know and do, and we know it and we're doing it, but then there's things that creep up and we swing and miss. And that's not a rebuke. We're all in those boats. But how those things get rectified is very powerful when Jesus challenges the Pharisees. He says, I want you to have steadfast love with me. I want you to understand me. That only comes from spending time with him. That only comes from doing the things that he's challenging us to do. You don't fully understand it until you do it. There's a large gap between what we know and what we do. There's a large gap in every single one of us of what we know and then what we do. How many, how many know, we, we, can, we can quote scriptures on fear. We can quote scriptures about peace. We can quote scriptures about healing. We can quote scriptures. But then it all hits the fan, and we're going, oh! right? And sometimes we don't. Sometimes it all hits the fan, and we're like, Jesus, you're awesome. I glorify you. I magnify you because I know you're my king and you're in control. You said you'd never leave me nor forsake me. You said your peace is with me. And you walk in that. And you look different than everyone else. They're going, why isn't he flipping out? Because you've understood and learned and applied it. And you're able to teach someone else where you got that. It's not just something you read. It's something that you're doing. Who wants to, who go, wants to go get trained by somebody who isn't doing it? I'm pretty sure Stan doesn't go to um, clinics where they're teaching about installations and how to do things from someone that's never installed. And he goes, that would be a question. Have you, have you installed this? No. Next. Right? He doesn't need to know anymore. Jesus is speaking from demonstration, not just head knowledge. He displayed it. He did it. And we should be going, Jesus, how do we do that? right? Or other brothers and sisters that are modeling that. How do you do that? Because I see it, right? That's what he wants for us. If you're taking notes, point two, we're traveling good. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Religious sacrifice and ritual can cause us to externalize everything if the heart is not right. You see that with the Pharisees. Everything that they did was external. It was all about the outside. It was about how you washed your hands. It was about how you ate your food. It was about all these external things. And when you're doing all these external things, it's really easy for your relationship to get external. Make sense? So they come up with this kind of a mentality. And I hope you get the church. Understand this. This is not a rebuke. Please understand. This is a, a challenge to grow. This is, I believe this is a preparatory message for what the Lord is about to do. In the coming seasons, okay? So this isn't a, like you're, you're doing anything wrong because this church is so healthy and you guys are so loving. It's the most loving, one of the most loving churches I've ever been in. But I believe that the Lord is challenging us now to begin to really expand in that love into areas of grace. That's the word I keep hearing and I'm praying. The Lord's just challenging to, to see with grace, to, to look at how his grace, and see, it's easy to go out that way, but he's telling me, look at how the grace I've shown you, Steve, not external, internalizing it. 
And when I began to look at the grace, and every single day, see, he's called me, he's delivered me, he's done all these things, but yet every single day, he's dumping truckloads of grace into my life. And if he wasn't, I wouldn't be standing up here. And it's the same thing for you. So this is the externalizing, what it, what it can become. We can, if we are so focused on the external and not internalizing what he's speaking to us, we can become churches and people of white gloves, of holiness, afraid to touch anybody that's dirty because we might get our white gloves dirty. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. We can't, we can't go there. It's dirty. We, whoo, he's Jesus said, I want your steadfast love. Where did he go? If we're followers of Christ, where should we be going? Everywhere Jesus went. Now, Jesus also did go to the synagogue. He went, we're not just like abandoning our brothers and sisters, but we are not scared to go anywhere. Amen. Well, it's dark. Praise God. That's why we're light. <laughs> the darkness needs the light. Well, what if we get dirty? How can you get dirty? You're washed by the blood. Amen. Though your sins were as scarlet, they're white as snow. It don't stick. It just falls off. It's supernatural stuff. Now, if we're going in the external, we're in trouble. You're in trouble. You're going to be afraid. You're going to be afraid to go somewhere. Well, they're sick. I know no one's ever had that. You know, pastors, you get called into all kinds of situations. Remember when I was in Africa, there's some, there's a lot of challenges. There's, there's a lot of shots you got to get. There's a lot of sicknesses and diseases, and there's a lot of not, there's a lot of dirty. And we had a lot of hand sanitizer. I'm just saying. <laughs> But if you are not understanding the power of the blood and, and the obedience of the call and, and walking as Jesus walked, we didn't see Jesus going, well, he's a leper. I'm not touching him. Be healed. I'm not going there. That's a prostitute. I can't sit with her. What will they think? Come. Where's your accusers? Neither do I. Go and sin no more. That's what it's supposed to look like. So we don't want to be on the external. Now, I do believe in holiness. It's so important, but it's internal. The internal will affect the external. The external will also affect the internal. It be, when things become too external, you forget the heart. And how many of us know that the Lord is more concerned with the heart? I read in my Bible that Jesus multiple times chastised the Pharisees. He said, you take so much care to clean the outside of the cup, but the inside is what defiles you. He called them tomb of whitewashed, or tomb of dead men's bones. He said, you're whitewashed sepulchers. The outside looks pretty, but the inside's full of dead men's bones. I don't want to be that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with making the outside look good. I mean, it's, some, some people have that easier than others. <laughs> I got to work with what I got. <laughs> but but I'm, a, I'm way more concerned what's inside. I know if the inside's right, I'm good. Right? 
If the inside's right, the outside could look wrong. But if the inside's right, we're good. Because he's way more concerned with that. The outside will get taken care of. Steadfast love, it means this, unwavering. It's intimacy. It's intimacy. Knowing him and him knowing us. That only comes from intimacy. You don't really know your spouse until you've become intimate, until you're able to share yourselves and be exposed and share what's in your heart and share your hurts and your struggles and your failures. You haven't even begun to touch intimacy. And that's what the Lord's challenging us to do. He says, I don't want you to know me. I want you to know me. He says, I want to know you. He knows you. But isn't it so cool? He already knows, but he just, he wants that intimacy. Like, tell me about it. He already knows, but he still wants to hear it. Like, that's, that's the difference between God and man. Ladies, <laughs> you love to tell your husbands all kinds of stuff. And men, we suck at this. I'm just saying it. We just are like, uh-huh. And we're finishing the story. And there, God designed him to want to share it with us. And we're like, uh-huh, next. Reader's Digest version, hon. I got something else to do. He's not that way. He's like every single detail. Uh-huh. What else? That's how we're supposed to love our wives. I got to grow in that. I'm just being honest. Like, I'm like quick to, let's go. <laughs> Leave that alone too. <laughs> he wants to know us. And we got to be able to look inward, not outward, not external. Look inward at ourselves. When he says things, when we see those convictions, we look inward, not outward. Not looking at everyone else, looking in here, going, how do I measure up with that? Am I walking in that? Am I doing that? And if we're not, we gotta, we got to reckon that. And we've we got to take some um, inventory of, okay, then what's important? We've got to be honest with ourselves. That's not easy to do. It sounds so easy. But you got to look in the mirror. Like, you come out of the shower naked. You want to be honest with yourself? Do that. Go look at yourself naked in front of a mirror. We all have this picture in our mind, right? I still have a picture of me looking probably about 24 with hair. <laughs> a lot thinner. And every time I walk in front of a mirror, I'm like, who's that guy? We got to be honest enough to be able to get in front of the mirror... This is the mirror. And we get before it and we go, how do I look? Ooh, need to trim some nose hair. <laughs> or whatever it is. And, and, and not in a beating yourself up way, just going being challenged by the word going, this is what it looks like. Is that where my heart is? Is that where my heart is? Is my heart aligned with that? When I hear that word from the Lord, does it make me turn and go, yeah, later I got time. Or do I turn and go, oh, Lord, I need that. Lord, I want that. I hear your voice, Lord. We 
We need to be real honest with ourselves and, and know this, that without his grace, none of us are saved. Without his grace, none of us are here. His grace is so amazing. Like, I, I require truckloads of it every day. Yeah. Right? To be honest, we, we all do. We got to understand that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like, he's a very gracious God. And, and we tend to think that the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New Testament. Well, we're under the disposition of grace. Yes. There was a lot of grace shown in the Old Testament. We think that God wasn't gracious. You read the book of Hosea. That's a powerful book. He challenges Hosea to go and marry Gomer, a prostitute, and tells him she's going to have children by other men. She's going to go off and leave the the pure love that you've given her. She's going to leave it, and she's going to go prostitute again. And I want you to buy her back. That's grace. That's unmerited favor. That's the most ridiculous grace that I, when I read, I go, Lord, that's, that's me. That's me. Well, tell me God's not a gracious God. We see these, we see these powerful requirements in the Old Testament and you see some very stern, but you know why? Because he was so gracious with his miracles, with his power, with that, those people understood the power of God. Like we, we don't understand really the power. You don't understand the, the fear of the Lord like those people did. There was, I mean, they walked through waters being parted. They picked up bread that was supernaturally provided for them every single day. And then they turned their hearts from the Lord. Under those miracles, under those signs and wonders... So there was a little more requirement there. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. He had shown himself very, very true, very, very powerful, very, very loving, very forgiving. And then they would turn. And yes, there was discipline. But you can't say he wasn't gracious. He always returned him, always brought him back. His heart was always to come and turn and repent. And you see that in the New Testament, the graciousness of God. And the power. In the early church in Acts, you see a little bit of that Old Testament of Ananias and Sapphira. There's miraculous going like crazy, and they lie to the Holy Spirit. Poof. And we, as people, as a church, we, like, we want the power, we want those miracles, we want to see that, and rightly so. But we need to understand to whom much is given, much is required. It's going to come with a cost, and a cost of a fear of the Lord. And at a cost of reverence and a cost of holiness, but not this external stuff, this internal, of being consecrated in the heart, of being dedicated to spending time in the presence of the Lord, of wanting to know him and know of his ways and know of the ways he does things. There is a system. There is a plan that that God has. And it's for us to know. We don't make God dance to our tune. We submit ourselves to his dance. We submit ourselves to his steps. We submit ourselves to his leading. And we honor his leading. And we follow and we align our hearts with his heart. We don't tell him where to go and how to do it. We sometimes use his own word to try to be a weapon. 
You don't think he knows his word? (laughs) Well, Lord, you said. I'm very aware of what I said. And I know what I said in context of all scripture. Do you? Mm -mm. I'm going to shut up now. (laughs) He's telling his people. He was telling his people and he's telling his people. Point three, I want your sacrifice and I don't want your sacrifice and offering without your heart. He wants our heart. He's happy with the sacrifice and offering if it's from the heart. Remember the widow? Thank you, Holy Spirit. There's all those, all these sounds going in the trumpets, dropping all these big dimes, these big checks to be noticed. And the widow, Jesus saw the widow, one little coin, and he said, stop. Look at her. She gave more than anyone else, and they're going, how? She gave from the heart. We cannot manipulate God and bribe God. We say that's right. A lot of us, and myself included, we've, we've not even knowingly knowing what we're doing. We're trying to do things to get his favor. We're trying to do things for him to heal. We're trying to do things. You don't bribe God and you don't manipulate God. You love God. You love him. And you do things from a pure heart just because I want to, Lord. Has, has anyone ever received a gift and you received it and you knew there was an ill motive behind it. Or there was an ulterior motive for getting the gift. Because somebody wanted something. How did it feel to get that gift? How many has received a gift when you knew there was no reason for it, you don't deserve it, and it was just done out of pure love? Now, there's nothing like that. But there's a wide difference in those two. There's no quickies with God. And I know what I'm saying. He wants intimacy. He desires steadfast love and for us to know him. There's no drive-through. I want there to be. I try to make him do the drive through thing. You know what? He's so darn loving, sometimes he blesses that even. But he's saying, I want more. I want more. He loves us. Anyone that has ever experienced love, you want more of the person. You can't get enough. Remember when you were first dating your spouses? I remember this. I was sleep deprived. (laughs) Kind of like I am now. (laughs) I was working crazy hours and a lot of of days and getting up at 4.30 in the morning and 9 o'clock would roll around. I'd be like, I need to go to bed. I'm like, nah, one more hour. Just spending time with each other. Then at 11 o'clock, oh my Lord, I need to go to bed. Uh, One more hour. 
one o'clock in the morning is facing me and, oh, Lord, I'm going to bed. <laughs> and then they would start over. Tomorrow, I'm getting more time. I'm going to sleep. No. I want to spend more time with her. I love her. That's how he is with us. Every time we wake up, he's, he's there. I'm here. Let's have some time. And we get all caught up in all this stuff, this external stuff. It doesn't matter. Proverbs 21.3 says, The Lord is more pleased when we do what is right and just than when we offer him sacrifices. Can you pull up um, 1 Samuel? I'm going to have a array of verses. If you're taking notes and you want to go back and study these out, you can. 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23, Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8, Psalm 51, 16 through 19, Jeremiah 7, 21 through 23, Amos 5, 21 through 24, Micah 6, 6 through 8, and I don't have it in my notes, but man, if you really want to see God's heart, go read Isaiah chapter 1. Woo! Careful. 1 Samuel 15, 22, this is out of the message. I specifically chose this because, ooh, you'll see. Then Samuel said, do you think all God wants are sacrifices? He's speaking to Saul. Do you think all God wants are sacrifices, empty rituals, just for show? He wants you to listen to him. Plain listening is the thing, not staging a lavish religious production. Not doing what God tells you is far worse than fooling around in the occult. Getting self-important around God is far worse than making deals with your dead ancestors. Because you said no to God's command, he says no to your kingship. And James tells us to know, to do right and to not do it is sin. Psalm 40. Doing something for you, bringing something to you, that's not what you're after. Being religious and acting pious, that's not what you're asking for. You've opened my ears so I can listen. So I answered, I'm coming. I read in your letter what you wrote about me. And I'm coming to the party. You're thrown for me. That's when God's word entered my life, became part of my very being. I'm coming, Lord. I'm coming. I'm coming to the party of your grace. Psalm 51, 16 through 19. Going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. A flawless performance is nothing to him. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. This is David writing after he committed adultery with Bathsheba. There's some things you only learn from God from being broken. Heart shattered lives ready for love don't for a moment escape God's notice. Make Zion the place you delight in. Repair Jerusalem's broken down walls. Then you'll get real worship from us. Acts of worship, small and large, including all the bulls they can have under your altar. A David psalm, when Doeg the Edomite reported to Saul, David's at Amalekite's house. Saying, after that heart is right, he goes, we'll take bucket loads of bulls. We're going to sacrifice large sacrifices because of the heart. Jeremiah 7. The message from God of the angel armies, Israel's God. Go ahead. 
Put your burnt offerings with all your other sacrificial offerings and make a good meal for yourselves. I sure don't want them. When I delivered your ancestors out of Egypt, I never said anything to them about wanting burnt offerings and sacrifices as such. But I did say this, commanded to them, Obey me, do what I say, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Live the way I tell you. Do what I command so that your lives will go well. You see his heart? So that your lives will go well. Do what I command so that your lives will go well. Amos 5.21. Ooh, this is a rough one. I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religious projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Don't you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. Do you see God's heart? How can I stand up before God and show proper respect to the high God? Should I bring an armload of offerings topped off with yearling calves? Would God be impressed with thousands of rams, with buckets and barrels of olive oil? Would he be moved if I sacrificed my firstborn child, my precious baby, to cancel my sin? But he's already made it plain how to live, what to do. What God is looking for in men and women, it's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. I started this off with Jesus' cry to the Pharisees saying, go and learn what this means. Go and learn what this means, that I desire steadfast love. I desire to know you, and I desire for you to know me more than sacrifice. He challenged the Pharisees. We go three chapters later, and you see Jesus and his disciples traveling through a field of grain, and it's on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry. So they began to grab some grain and they broke it off in their hands and they rubbed it together, releasing the chaff, and they ate it. And the Pharisees start pointing their finger and accusing his disciples of breaking the laws of the Sabbath. Three chapters later, or th three chapters before, Jesus tells them, go and learn what this means. Matthew 12, 7, this is what Jesus said to them. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy not offer sacrifice. He challenged them to go and learn and understand. And that command was go do whatever it takes to learn and understand. They didn't learn it and understand it. And what were they doing? Pointing their finger at, Jesus said, my innocent disciples. Church, if we're ever going to learn and understand, we're going to have to begin to do what he's commanded us to do. We're going to have to be able to take this thing away and point it inward. That's how we do it. You can't be pointing out here. You've got to be looking in here. 
Because when you're bringing it in here, it affects everything else out there. When you begin to really search for yourself, his heart, and search for yourself to know him, you will. He'll bless you with it. It will radically affect who you are. It won't be a religious activity anymore. It'll be a service of love. It will be from a place of intimacy and relationship. And that is powerful. That is why he went to the cross. That's why we're celebrating communion and taking communion for that intimacy. We cannot be these people that are so external that we forget the heart. We cannot. We cannot afford to do that in today's culture. There are so many things that, that the world knows what the church is against. The world is very familiar with the church is against. The world needs to know what the church is for. The sinners need to know what the church is for. They know what we're against. We've been real good about parading signs around, telling them who God hates. God hates this. God hates that. God hates this. You're going to hell. I heard a young man just, just yesterday with all this stuff going on saying, all those attorneys are going to hell. Don't you think so, Pastor Steve? <laughs> no, I don't. Well, why not? But I don't know that. Well, I said, you don't know that either. You need to leave that alone. We need to be real concerned about our heart. We need to be real concerned about what's causing us to not have intimacy with our Savior. One day we're going to realize the things that were real important and the things that weren't. And most of those things that aren't real important are the external. Why don't you stand to your feet with me? One of these days, we're going to learn and understand that we were and are more sinful and weak than we ever dared to admit. And one of these days, we're going to learn and understand that we are way more loved and accepted than we ever dreamed to dare, hope, and think. It's about grace. We are more sinful and weak than we ever dared to admit. And we are more loved and accepted than we will ever dare to hope for. Father, we thank you for your heart to pour out your amazing grace and lavish it on your people. Thank you for the challenge of the scripture to learn, to go and learn and understand that you want steadfast love, not sacrifice. You want us to get to know you. You want us to learn who you are. You want us to be intimate with you. You don't want just service. You don't want lip service. You want a broken and contrite heart. That you will not despise. We thank you, Lord, for the example that we see in Scripture. The challenge that we receive from Scripture. We thank you for your forgiving heart, your mercy and your grace. We thank you for the blood that cleanses us completely from all unrighteousness. We thank you for the baptism of the waters that cleanses us and the dying of the old man and the resurrection of the new man and a new relationship, not religious sacrifice, but intimacy. 
thank you for providing that for us. Help us guard and protect it. In Jesus' name, amen. If there's anyone that is uh, just feeling that tug and that draw to, to repent, to, that means make right. I challenge you to come before uh, we go to the baptism service and I'll pray with you and you can ensure that uh, you've been saved and set free and born again. Not because I pray with you, but because of what Jesus has done for you. You're going to put your faith and trust in that. And then you can go out instantaneously and be baptized and show the world and tell the world what Christ has done in your life. If there's uh, anyone else in the church that may have felt uh, the Lord, and this was the something that I know where the Holy Spirit dropped in. It wasn't something I come up with on my own. Well, there was a lot of it. it was the Holy Spirit dropped in. But uh, the thought of loving the Lord, but not being in love with the Lord. If, if that's anyone, and that's not a thing to say, like to feel ashamed of, like every single one of us in our points of our walks with the Lord have probably felt that had been there. And you know what? That's an easy, quick fix. And I don't mean that in a cheap way but just in the powerful way of the Lord to be able to confess your sin, repent, to draw close to him. And he says, I'll draw close to you. So that's an easy adjustment, right? We were going, ah, oh, Lord, I haven't really been listening to you. I haven't really been honoring you. I haven't really been being intimate with you. I haven't been loving you like I know I should. So you turn and you go to him and he picks you up, wraps his arms around you and your feet are dangling off the ground. If that's you today, I would challenge you to make that right with him. You don't need me to do that. You don't need me to do that. You confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So if that's you today, don't be ashamed. Just get it taken care of. Run to him. Run to the cross. Hey, man, you are dismissed. If there's anyone that would like to come up for prayer, you need healing, you need anything like that, we just need someone to believe with you.